Yeah. Thank you, Sir William. <laughs> hey, well, good morning, everyone. Uh, another Canadian in the in the house. Hey, before I get into my talk, uh, I just want to uh, just uh, nudge you with one thing. If you weren't here last weekend, if you didn't hear Danny's talk, uh, I want to strongly encourage you to go online and listen to it, vineyardcdc.org. We have a podcast. Uh, there's an 8 by 10 glossy picture of Danny there. It's beautiful. But, ser- but it was a very timely talk. If you were here, you're like, yep. And uh, uh, we also, I think, we have some free CDs on the, on the info counter. Make sure you grab uh, one of those. But give it a listen. Like I say, it's, it's a very timely talk, and I wouldn't want you to miss it. All right. Um, today, I get to uh, kick off a new series. And I have been uh, excited about this one. This is one of my favorite books in the New Testament. We're going to be looking at John, the book of John, as you see there on the screens. And uh, this series is going to take us uh, past Easter, which seems, suddenly Easter seems really close. But uh, John is one of the four Gospels, Matthew, uh, Mark, Luke, and then John. And when John wrote his book, uh, he wrote it with a very clear goal in mind. It was a very purposeful uh, way that he wrote it. Listen to this. Uh, This is from the end of his book. John 20, verse 30 says, uh, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book that I've written. But these are written, what I have written, are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. So you can see there on the screens or you, uh, that the title of this series is uh, uh, So That You May Believe. And it's important to note that uh, John was originally written not in English, uh, but in Greek. And so to, to be more accurate, the way that I would read the, the, the last part of that verse I read to you would be, Uh, But these are written so that you may believe and that you may go on believing, that you may uh, continue believing. And so we can expect, as we go through this series, we can expect to be really encouraged uh, uh, in in our belief. And, And one of the things that really excites me about a book study like this is that uh, the Bible is unlike any other book. Right? The Bible is, it isn't just a, a collection of stories and facts. Remember, the Bible is alive. It's alive. So as we jump into uh, looking at the book of John, I get excited about what is going to, like what, what's going to come alive in you? What's going to come alive in me as we go through this book? What is God just going to go, boom, and, and you know, really break into your heart, your mind, your understanding? And, and so the, you know, the, uh, the book of John, like I said, it's one of my favorite books. It's a very special book because this book uh, oozes. It oozes with faith, uh, faith-giving stories, faith-giving conversations. And, and so the purpose of John and, and the purpose of this series is that if you're here today and you would say, I don't, I don't believe in Jesus, well, the purpose of this book and the purpose of this series is that you would come to a place of believing in him and believing that he is who he said that he is. And, and if you're here today, and I know many of you here today, that you're like, well, I already believe in Jesus. Well, the purpose of this book and the purpose of this series is that you would be refreshed and encouraged to go on believing 
that Jesus is who, who he says that he is. So let me pray, and then we're gonna uh, jump into John. So let's pray. Lord, I thank you for... Uh, I thank you for another opportunity to gather together. Lord, I thank you for the, the church, the community, for this family, for this, this gathering of people. Lord, and I pray today that you would... Um, you would come and walk among us. Lord, you know exactly what we're thinking right now, what we're feeling right now, and you know, even talking about you, Jesus, you, you know where we're at with you. And I pray this morning uh, that you would uh, surprise us with how close you are and how much you know us. I pray that, uh, I pray that the purpose of John, would, 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 uh, we would experience that that we would be encouraged in our belief in you. So just welcome me here in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Uh, so before we get to the outline, uh, I just want to sort of look at some bullet points of, of uh, who was John. And I think this will be helpful both for this morning but also for, for the series. So John, who was John? John was the son of Zebedee. Uh, and it's believed that his mother, uh, her name was Judy. Okay, there we go. Thank you, Dan. That was a quick laugh. Uh, but his, it's believed his mother's name was Salome. Uh, John is the younger brother to James. Both James and John uh, were disciples. And Jesus nicknamed these brothers. He nicknamed them the sons of thunder. And I don't know if that had, any, had anything to do with their diet or... Uh, <laughs> wah, wah, wah. Wait, it's not middle school? Okay. With their, I think it has more to do with their zeal and their, uh, their passion. John and his family, uh, his father, they were fishermen. They fished uh, the Sea of Galilee, which is, is north of Jerusalem. But it, uh, we'll see as we get further into the book of John that uh, John obviously had some business in, the, in Jerusalem because he knew some, uh, some pretty influential uh, people in the city of Jerusalem. Uh, John was, he was either one of the younger or maybe even the youngest disciple of Jesus. He was the last one of the 12 to uh, die. John was part of the inner circle. You know, the three. Jesus, when he would go off to different places, the, there would be these three disciples. It's like his posse that he would always invite. And that'd be uh, Peter, James, and John. And, uh, but what I want to focus in on is, you know, as we answer the question of who was John, was that of all the 12 disciples, John had a very special relationship with Jesus. It was, it's really evident when you look at John's life and, and, and some of the stories throughout the Gospels that John had a very, uh, a very deep friendship with Jesus. <clears throat> uh, in his letter, he refers to himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved. Like, I think that's one of the reasons why I really dig John is I'm like, anyone who says that, I want to hang out with someone like that. Uh, uh, we see John, you know, when you look in the Last Supper, and I'll give you a visual here. So, you know, Last Supper, when they would recline at the table, John is the only disciple. I mean, imagine in the Middle East, this, we don't do this. Probably would be a good idea, though. It'd be easier to get it in your mouth. But imagine, you can see why they would wash their feet. You're sitting at a table, and there's someone's feet are right there. It's like, is that blue cheese? Oh, no. Yo, yo, go wash your feet. But, I mean, just imagine this. John is the only disciple it said that he leaned against Jesus' chest as they would eat. And I'm like, well, I don't even, that's, it's, just, it's not our culture for one thing, but how, how intimate is that? And then, to, you know, added to that, when Jesus was hanging on the cross and he's about, he's soon to die, he looks down and there's John 
And there's his mother, Mary. And he looks at John and he says, hey, she's your mother now. Look after her. And it says that Mary, the mother of Jesus, moved in with John from that day on. I mean, that's a good friend. Look after my mother. That's a, that's a good friend. So there's a, there's a snapshot of John. <clears throat> now we'll get into your notes. Look at uh, uh, a bit more at the book that he wrote. And again, I think this is really helpful information both for uh, this morning but also for the series. So number one in your notes is the uniqueness of John. The uniqueness of, of the book of John. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> so although John is, is one of the four Gospels, uh, his, his book is so different from the other three. Matthew, Mark, and Luke are referred to as, uh, you may have heard this before, the synoptic Gospels. And really, uh, basically what synoptic means is that these three books were written from a similar view, from a similar perspective. And if, you know, just think about Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they basically had the same flow. They basically had the, you know, very similar storyline. But John, John is very different from those. I found this interesting that when you look at the book of John, you compare it to the other three, there's a bunch of stories, really important stories, that that are in the three Gospels that John omits. Like, he doesn't even record them. Listen, listen to this list. Uh, John omits the stories of the, the Immaculate Conception, the birth of Jesus, the baptism of Jesus, the temptation of Jesus, the transfiguration of Jesus, the Last Supper, the Garden of Gethsemane, and the Ascension of Jesus. Like, I'm like, okay, those are pretty... Pretty important stories. John, why would you, why'd you skip those? Well, he skips those, but then John, uh, he adds to his gospel what the other writers don't even touch on. John is the only book that talks about the seven, uh, the seven I am uh, you know, titles that Jesus says about himself. Where you know, Jesus will say, I am the bread of life. I am the good shepherd, and I will let you look up the other five. But uh, uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they report dozens of miracles. But then we look at the book of John, and, and John only lists seven miracles in his book. And of the seven that he lists, uh, two of them are found in the other Gospels, but he introduces five brand new uh, uh, miracles, uh, turning the water into wine, healing the official son, <clears throat> the healing at the pool of Bethesda, healing of the man born blind, and then uh, the raising of Lazarus from the dead. So again, you can see there's uh, uh, the uniqueness of John compared to the other Gospels. And it's, it's interesting to me that, Don, that John doesn't, doesn't just call those, what I just listed to you, he doesn't just call them miracles. But John, again, in his uniqueness, and it, and it really points to, to the heart of how uh, he wrote or where the heart that he wrote this book from, John calls these miracles signs, right? They weren't just miracles. He called them signs. And that's important because uh, by calling them signs, John is saying that those amazing events, those miracles weren't just to impress you. We're not meant to just get you know, caught up in those miracles. He calls them signs because signs uh, don't exist for themselves, do they? I mean, what's the purpose of a sign? It's to point you somewhere. And John's saying all these amazing things that Jesus did, 
uh, uh, you know, the, the, that I, these stories that I've written down for you, they're not just miracles, they're signs. They're pointing in a direction. So John, you know, he's unique from all the other gospels because Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they tend to focus more on what did Jesus say and what did Jesus do? They wrote their books more like reporters, right? Observing what, <clears throat> what happened and writing it down. But John, he wrote from a focus on who Jesus was. Like John, he, he writes as someone who didn't just know about Jesus. What we'll see in this series and, you know, as we look, as we get into the book of John, John wrote from a place of, I know Jesus. John writes his book from a place of, uh, of friendship. And because he knew him, what we'll see that, again, oozes through the book of John is that he uh, wrote from a place of great awe of Jesus. Like it is really evident in the book of John and, and, and the way he wrote and what he wrote that John was uh, super impressed with, with Jesus, with who Jesus was. And that leads to number two in your notes. Number two is uh, the wonder, the wonder of John. The wonder of John. So let's, we're gonna jump into uh, John chapter one. <clears throat> And we're going to read verses uh, 1 to 5. Here's what it says. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. We'll stop there. So even what I just read there, I mean, the language, that's really grand, big language. That's, that's language, that's someone writing about someone that they are really impressed with. And again, comparing to the other gospels, you know, asking this question of like, who was Jesus? I think it's, it's important to note when you look at uh, how the other three gospel writers try to answer that question, uh, in the way that they start their book, Matthew, when he kicks off the book of Matthew, he starts by focusing more, you know, and answering the question, well, who was Jesus? He focuses on the, on the roots of Jesus. He starts in the book of Matthew, he goes back to Abraham. And he, you know, he focuses in on who's Jesus? Jesus is the promised one. Jesus is, you know, the promised seed that's gonna come through the, you know, this line, this, the family of Israel. And then you've got Mark. Mark is like a, just the facts ma'am sort of guy because Mark starts his book focusing in on who is Jesus? Jesus is a man on a mission because Mark starts off with, get him baptized, now get to work, Jesus. I mean, it's, if you read it, that's sort of how it, how it flows. Uh, <clears throat> Luke starts his book in answering the question with, you know, the promise of this coming Messiah fulfilled. He starts it off, his focus is on the, the birth of, you know, a baby, Jesus. But John, John comes along and he's like, hey guys, that's great. And, and, and it's true. Everything you're saying is true. But, but he's way, way bigger, greater than that. Uh, if you want to even start comprehending who Jesus was or is, you have to go back to the beginning. In fact, John is saying you have to go back, like way back be, beyond the beginning. So in answering the question, who was Jesus, uh, John kicks it off with, in the beginning was, was the word. And you notice that the word, word, uh, the word, word is capitalized. 
So that means it's, it's not pointing to the Bible, the Word of God, but the word, word being capitalized is pointing to, it's a name. It's pointing to Jesus. And, you know, as I looked at that and sort of, you know, read that over and over, I thought, like, John, why didn't you, why didn't you just uh, use the name Jesus? Wouldn't that have been clearer? Wouldn't that have made more sense if he had just said, you know, in the beginning was Jesus, and Jesus was with God, and Jesus was God? I mean, isn't that a fair question? Why didn't you just use the name Jesus? Why did you, again, this is a purposeful, strategic uh, writer, um, and John purposely picked the word word because he knew he was speaking to first century Jewish people who when they heard the word or heard Jesus referred to as the word, it would have totally had deep meaning to them. And here's what I mean. Think about this. Uh, the primary way that God had revealed himself prior to Jesus, the primary way was through words, wasn't it? It was words. It was through stories. Uh, it was through, you know, all the history that was written down. It was through uh, prophecies, the words of prophecy, the you know, words of promise. It was through words of poetry and, uh, you know, songs that were written. And, and see, if, it's one thing to know about someone, but it's another thing to really know another person. And wouldn't you agree that one of the primary ways that you get to know someone is through words? I mean, you can see someone or, you know, you can see someone at a distance and you can, you can know a little bit about them. But when someone is up close and you hear the words that they speak, now it's more intimate, isn't it? Like there's a, there's a deeper knowing that happens. In. And I, uh, you know, I remember <laughs> back in 2000 is when we moved you know, from Vancouver, we moved down here to, uh, uh, to Columbus. And we were, you know, in, in the process of making the decision of moving down here, God, I'm, God came to me and said, hey, if I give Columbus uh, an NHL hockey team, will you move there? <laughs> I, you know, maybe that's a little self-centered, but I thought it was just for us. Because, <laughs> you know, I'm a bit of a hockey guy. But I, but I said, yes, if you will bring an NHL team there, we will, we will move. And so in 2000, the Blue Jackets came to Columbus. God was true to his word. And I, you know, so I watch, uh, watch a lot of hockey and I'm watching the Blue Jackets. And uh, again, this is like that back in 2000 something. I remember I used to work down at Vineyard Columbus and one, one weekend I was leaving early. The service was still going on and I was, you know, the lobby is empty and I'm walking towards the main doors and I see this man, it's, you know, he's coming, he's heading towards the doors also, and, and as we both walk through the main doors, I look at him and I think, wow, that guy looks a lot like Kevin Deneen, and he used to play on the Blue Jackets, he's a, a professional hockey player. And so I look at him and I say, hey, you, you look a lot like Kevin Deneen. And he looks at me and has this sort of, you know, this look on his face, he goes, well, that, that's because I am Kevin Deneen. <laughs> and I just fell to pieces. Oh, <gasps> A professional hockey player. You know, I, I probably, I almost piddled my pants, to be honest. <clears throat> I'm, not, I'm not exaggerating. I was like a little, oh, you know, and I tried to contain it. And, but we stood in the parking lot and, and we talked for like 15 minutes or he talked and I just stood there with a stupid grin on my face. And, <clears throat> and he told me, 
You know, he talked about getting into the pros and locker room stories and stories about certain players in the league. And I mean, like, uh, you know, it was, it was a major deal. And here's the thing. So I had watched this guy play from a distance. I knew his name. But when I heard his words, suddenly Kevin Deneen became way more real to me. So John, by choosing the word word, the name word, John is basically saying, he's saying, look, you guys, let me, you know, who was Jesus? He's saying all those words, all those words of history and prophecy and whatever that was, all those words, John is saying, I've I've met them. I've met those words. Like, I've walked with those words. I, I leaned against the chest of those words. I watched those words in the flesh call a dead man out of his grave. John is, he's saying, he's saying that Jesus, the word become flesh, he's saying Jesus is the ultimate expression of God. Right, it's the word become flesh. Like God looks at humanity and he sees the struggle of humanity and he says, I love you. He speaks the words, I want to rescue you. I want to heal you. And those words, it's like those words go out and poof, Jesus. Jesus is the, is the word become flesh. And, you know, and it's interesting to me that John, he wrote his gospel. He wrote his gospel many years uh, after the other three. In fact, it's believed by some that John's gospel, the gospel of John, was the last New Testament book written. So that means, I mean, think, think about this. So if, let's say John was a teenager when Jesus said, come follow me. And he spent like three years with Jesus. I mean, walking with Jesus and, you know, and, and growing in this friendship with Jesus. And now he sits down to write his book. It could have been like, and again, we're not you know, totally accurate on numbers, but it could have been 50 plus years later that he sits down to write this book. Now, I just told you the story about that meeting that hockey player. And that was a cool story. And now, what, 15 years later, whatever it was, I'm like, yeah, it was cool. Right? The, the, the buzz has, really, has diminished from in my heart. But John, it's just the opposite. 50 some years later, after being with Jesus and walking with Jesus and knowing Jesus, his, his perspective, his, his understanding of Jesus hasn't diminished. It's just gotten bigger and bigger and bigger. He's, he's, he's more and more impressed. The more he thinks about Jesus, the greater Jesus becomes. So when this guy finally sits down and goes, who was Jesus? It just all pours out. Let me tell you, let me tell you who he was. He has always been, he's timeless, right? He has always been, and he's always been with God the Father. And God the Father and Jesus, they're, you know, they're, they're like this, and, the, and everything that you can see, I mean, and even everything you can't see, he made it all. Right? He drives that home. That, like, like he is the creator of everything. And then he says, in him, who's Jesus? Oh, Jesus is life. That's who he is. I mean, look how impressed he is with Jesus. Jesus is light. I mean, he, I mean what every human being needs, Jesus has it. In him is light. In him is life. I mean, that's a guy who is mind blown impressed with the greatness 
of Jesus. And as I was, you know, working on this talk, I got to this point, and, and if I had a mirror at my desk, I would have looked in the mirror and looked at myself and asked the question, so how about you, Michael? Are you impressed with Jesus? And that's a good question to ask ourselves. Like, am I impressed with Jesus? When I think about Jesus, what I know about him, uh, what I've experienced of him, is it like, you know, is, is what goes off in my heart, is it Jesus? Like, oh, Jesus. Is it that? Is it, is it, oh, Jesus. Is it, hmm, Jesus. Or is it, who's Jesus? I mean, what goes off in your heart when you think about him? I mean, that's a good question to ask. That's a good question to ponder. Like, am I impressed with Jesus? And I think one of the weaknesses of, of the Western church is that we're not impressed with Jesus. And I'll just talk about my own life. It shows in my own life what I'm impressed with because what I'm impressed with is what I value. It's what I give myself to. It's what I, you know, give my resources to. And, and <clears throat> you know, it, and, and we live in a culture that is filled with distractions, <clears throat> filled with things to, that impress us, shiny things that are built to, you know, to, to draw your attention and your affection and your resources. And, you know, and, and so it's like, is our faith, is our faith, uh, is it just, well, I was raised in the church, is our faith, well, it gives me peace from time to time. You know, is our faith, well, it's fire insurance. I mean, it's cold outside. I like Florida, but hell, it's a bit, it's a bit out of my comfort zone. But John is saying, as he's writing his book, he's like, oh, no, 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 no. Don't just, don't just sort of, you know, dip your toe in the water of believing in Jesus. John is like, you got to jump in all the way. Because what God has invited us into with relationship with Jesus, what he's saying in, in the verses that I've been reading is that, that connecting yourself to Jesus, it's, it's connecting yourself with the source of life. And being connected to Jesus, like you can't, like a sign of how connected, I don't want to say it that way. Look at that, I'm having a conversation. I wonder what I'll have for lunch. I, the sign of being connected to Jesus or one of the indicators is that you're increasingly, yeah, I do believe this, that you're increasingly impressed with him. If it's going the other direction, I would look in the mirror and say, am I really connected to Jesus? Because when you connect to him, you connect to the source of all life. How can it not just flow into you and change you? Uh, John, again, uh, chapter 20, I started with this, but these are written you know, all these stories, all that we're going to be looking at in this series, are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life. Right? That we have, like, it's a life giving belief. Being a follower of Jesus is life giving. And so here's a good question. If you're sitting there going, well, I don't, I don't think I'm impressed, how do you get impressed with Jesus? And a very simple answer how do you get impressed with Jesus? you got to start looking at Jesus. you got to start focusing your eyes on Jesus. Well, what does that mean? It means you got to start studying the Bible. Because the purpose of this book is, I mean, this book is one big sign. It's meant to point us to Jesus. John Wimber, I've heard him say that, that the, the Bible is the menu, but Jesus 
is the meal. Right? This book stirs an appetite, but Jesus, Jesus satisfies. So you've got to look at him. Hebrews 12 verse 1 says, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Okay, how do we do that? How do we run with perseverance? How do we you know, stay in the race that's marked out for us? By fixing our eyes on Jesus. It doesn't say by glancing every weekend at Jesus. It says by fixing our eyes on him. Why is that important? Because he's the author, he's the perfecter of our faith. Because it's human, uh, it's human nature that whatever we look at, whatever we're, you know, we focus on, that's what consumes us. That's what fills us. You know, and I think one of the things that, that uh, hurts both our relationship with God and our relationship with others is when we get our eyes off of those close to us and onto other things or onto other people, and suddenly those things close to us, they start to diminish in value. We start taking them for granted. I think it's one of the reasons why a marriage cools, right? A marriage starts to, to get cold. It's because we aren't looking at each other. Our eyes are, our eyes are elsewhere. We're, we're, we're distracted. As we, you know, get into this series, you know, I can hear John saying, hey, VCDC, uh, we tried to get a video from him, but he, he didn't respond to any of my emails. But uh, John is saying to us, hey, you guys, you're, you know, you're going to be going through my book. Uh, I want you to know that I have handpicked stories. I have handpicked conversations that Jesus had, uh, all for the purpose of helping you getting your eyes back on Jesus. All for the purpose of, of, of fanning into flame that, you know, the, the, the coals of your heart, your, your passion for Jesus, your love for Jesus, your, you know, you, that you will, as we go through this series, John is saying, you know, you keep your eyes focused on what I'm saying, you're gonna get impressed with Jesus again. And, you know, one of the things that impressed John was uh, uh, a lot, because it's all through the book of John, is he just couldn't get over the kind of relationship that God wanted each one of us to have with him like the depth of relationship. And this is number three in your notes. <clears throat> it's, it's the invitation of John. <clears throat> the invitation of John. And we're gonna skip over uh, verses six to eight, but I wanna say this, uh, just touch on that. In verses six to eight, John, you know, who wrote the book, he, he starts talking about John the Baptist. Remember John the Baptist? Uh, he came baptizing people, that's the name. And uh, he uh, he was the forerunner of Jesus. And, and John says something interesting about John the Baptist. He says in verses six to eight and then throughout the book of John, he says, hey, and by the way, John the Baptist, he's not the light. And then further on, he says, oh, by the way, John the Baptist, he's not the prophet. He's not the Messiah. And it's like, what up, John? You keep, like you seem to keep putting down John the Baptist. And you'll see that as we go throughout this book. But the reason was there was a group of people now, you know, years and years after Jesus had walked the earth, they were still holding on to John the Baptist like he was some type of Messiah. And John is, you know, he's writing to sort of go after that. And, and, and he's basically saying, you know, don't look at him. Look at Jesus. Fix your eyes on Jesus. So then we come to verse nine, it says this. John wrote, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world 
And, th- and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. And then I love this verse. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Okay. You know, in those verses I just read, there's a, uh, there's a great summary of the gospel story. God has come and revealed himself to, to humanity, and it says that some reject him, but some receive him. Uh, uh, I want to end off by focusing on verses 12 and 13. Let me read them again. It says, Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or, or a husband's will, but born of God. So again, John is saying, and he's focusing in on this, the awesome gift, the awesome invitation that God is extending to every human being. And you know this invitation to, to, uh, to uh, sonship or daughtership. And, and wouldn't you say, you know, looking at that gift that God offers, wouldn't you say that one of the reasons why we struggle to grab onto that, right? That, that I'm his son, I'm a son of God, you're a daughter of God. One of the reasons we struggle to grab onto that is because it's so easy to get. I think we trip over that. And here, here's what I mean, right? So I, you know, it's like I'm coming into the, the you know, the John the Gospel store and I'm like, so uh, you're saying to me, I'm saying to the lady behind the counter, you're saying to me, uh, uh, that God, almighty God, creator of the heavens and the earth, God, wants to adopt me as his son. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. So, uh, so what do I have to do to get it? I mean, that's a pretty awesome deal. What do I have to do to get in on that? And the lady says, well, it says here, basically believe that it's true. And then you start living your life like it's true and it's yours. And you go, oh, okay, okay, okay. But what do I have to do to get it? Because we're like, nah, that's, it just doesn't land. And the lady says, well, it still says here, believe that it's true and then start living your life like it's true and it's yours. And in our minds, it's like tilt. It just doesn't, I mean, side note, I realize, I bet, I bet the younger generation don't even know what the word tilt means right? Ding, 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 ding. Oh, oh, you lifted the, right? Right? I lost a quarter. They probably don't even know what a quarter is. I only deal in, uh, what is it? Uh, Bitcoin or what's the, whatever that is. But John, he he knows, because he's one of us. John knows it's like, okay, I know this is going to be a hard thing to get in because we just, we struggle. Like that's too easy. That's just too easy. Something so great I can become a child of the king of all kings. It, it's, it's just too easy. And John goes, well, let me, let, me, you know, let me drive it home a bit more. So verse 13, he says, or 12, he says, basically, you need to believe it and receive it, and then you get it. And then, it, then in 13, he says, now look, it's this birth, it's children born not of natural descent nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. And he's driving it home saying, look, 
you can't do it. You know, this, this adoption, God is the one that adopts you. You can't, you know, get your, you can't adopt yourself, if you know what I'm saying there. It's, it's, it's his, uh, it's him doing it. And, you know, I think again, because of our human condition, it's easier to grab onto something. It's, it's easier to believe something is real and true when we've earned it. I mean, like think of someone says, okay, you're a, you're a doctor. Like you don't ever see a doctor you know, it's in between patients. You don't see a doctor sitting in his office going, I wonder if I really am a doctor. <laughs> right? I mean, think that through. Oh, oh, I don't know. I mean, I don't feel like a doctor. And I, you know, like, I mean, you just don't see that because a doctor goes, no, I know I'm a doctor because I work my gluteus maximus off. That's the doctor term, isn't it? I've worked, I've worked hard to get here. I earned this title of doctor so there's no doubt and i think we struggle because we're we're in a culture that like we are programmed to earn things it's modeled to us it's held up as a look what this person done you know this look what they accomplished and on and on and on and and i think it's also just it just comes natural to being insecure and proud all at the same time that we need to earn it and 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 the and the, the truth is that there is not earning, but there is effort involved in grabbing onto this, right? There's work involved, and the work isn't to get it. The work is to live it and to believe it. The effort comes from, from living each day when things are going well, and especially when things aren't going well, and still believing, no, I am a prince. You know, if you're a woman, I am a princess, a daughter of the king, a, 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 you know, a, a son of the king. And, and you, know, it's, you know, I think one of the things that, that, that we have to go after that needs to be exposed in our hearts is, is our, independent, our independent streak. And what I mean is that thing deep down inside of us that says, I can do this on my own. Or maybe it comes from a place of fear of, I have to do this on my own. If I don't do it, nobody's going to do it. And, and when it comes to receiving this gift of God, this gift of adoption, the way that we fight that independent streak, the way that we you know, sort of you know, beat that down, if you will, it is as simply as saying, uh, uh, it's, it's, it's by believing it's true, and then by saying, and this is sounding, going to sound real simple, but I believe this is powerful. And then it's by saying over and over and over, thank you. Like that you would, it would just be an every day, every hour, thank you to God that you've given me a gift that I don't deserve. That you have given me a gift. You've adopted me. You picked me when I was running away from you. When I didn't even believe in you. You said, oh, I want him. I want her. It's by just saying thank you. I don't deserve this, but I'll take it. And I think when we come to, into a time of worship, one of the reasons uh, for many of us we struggle to really enter into worship is because deep down we still think there's this size four font print that says, hey, by the way, uh, you got to earn. You still have to earn this place in God's family. And so when we come into worship, it's more like, thank you for this never-ending sense of guilt. Thank you for this chronic sense of failure. Oh, I'll 
never going to be enough. You know, it's like, and we laugh, but I grew up in the church. And I know that. It's like, you know, there's just a sense of guilt. And, and, it, and, and it's because we're missing it. Right? And so, and so that's one of the reasons why worship is so powerful. You know, whether it's as we gather together on the weekend in small group or when you're just driving down the road and you're alone, to sing out the truth, to sing out our thanks and praise to God of this awesome gift, this awesome gift that he's uh, given to each one of us. And it's, you know, it's something that we see in the book of John, and we're gonna see it all throughout this series, that John is a guy that really grab that gift. I mean, how could you write? How could you write, hey, uh, hey guys, here's my new name. I'm the disciple whom Jesus loved. I mean, how could you write that? And I would say, you know, for you and I, uh, well, I'll just, again, I'll speak for myself. I, I, there are days I grab onto that, but more often than not, I'm the disciple whom Jesus is disappointed with. Or I'm the disciple whom Jesus is rolling his eyes at or whatever your parents did when they, uh, oh, oh, oh. but John, John got this. In one of his, uh, another book that he wrote, 1 John 3, verse one says this. John says, see what great love the Father has lavished on us. Now, he lavished it on us. That means we're just, we're passive. He's like, he's got this big gift that he's, he's just pouring it on us. See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. So as we get into this series, uh, the picture I see is John coming up beside every one of us and putting his arm around our shoulder and saying, this is gonna be really good. This is gonna be really good because what I'm gonna do in this series as you go through the book that I wrote is I'm gonna show you who Jesus really is. And I'm gonna show you that what, what that guy is saying up there, it's really true. In fact, it's way better than, than what he's saying. So why, why don't we stand up? We'll end it off there. Mm-hmm. Let's, uh, let's pray. Just quiet ourselves. and <clears throat> um, So Lord, I thank you for uh, your presence here. And I do, uh, you know, just that picture of the word become flesh. That Jesus, uh, your presence would be that real right now. that all these truths of God, that you would just, poof, that you would, they would just, it would be as if you're right there with us. It would be as if you're right there close to us. So we just welcome you here. Just come and move among us.
You know, and as I, just we sort of, in that quiet place, I just get this strong sense and, and even an imagery of the pursuit of Jesus. That he, you know, what he's invited us into isn't just some religious, make sure you don't do this and don't you read that and don't you look at, I mean, it's, he doesn't want us to miss out on the, just the glorious blessings of being his kids this side of heaven. It's not like, oh, if I can just grip my teeth and hold on till that day. It's like, no, don't do that. You're missing out. There's so much more. There's so much more this side of heaven. And so here's, uh, I want to invite some people forward for prayer just to respond to what, you know, uh, what God's been doing in your heart. And, and, and one would be, simply be this. If you're here today and you're like, uh, whether it's a, uh, like a confession of, hey, I'm just not, I'm not impressed with you, but I want to be impressed with you. I believe there's some people that you just want a fresh picture of Jesus. And it's like you're sort of, you know, uh, uh, just presenting your, your mind, your emotions, your heart before him and just welcoming him to come and hit the refresh button and just so, show you something new of himself. Uh, I believe there's some people that you struggle to grab onto the title of son or daughter. And, and Jesus, who is our brother, it's like he's grabbing, I see him grabbing people's hands and saying, come on, don't miss out on that. It's, 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 it's for you. It's for you. And if that's you, if you struggle to grab onto that, we want to pray for you. But then I also had this sense of God wants to heal hearts. If you have a physical heart condition, uh, I want to invite you forward. We want to pray for you. But if you have uh, emotional wounds, and I know that's like a, that's a huge, but if you do have emotional wounds, I want to invite you forward uh, for prayer. So JT's going to lead us in a song. If, if those hook your heart or if you just want to respond to Jesus in any way, come on up. Someone will pray for you. Uh, if you don't come forward, make sure to sing along. But let's make sure everyone who comes forward has someone praying for them.
our prayer that you would come and uh, just the, the power and the truth of your kingdom or that we would be more and more in our hearts and our minds and our beliefs and our decisions aligned with you in your kingdom or teach us how to seek first your kingdom Teach us how to fix our eyes on Jesus, how to live in a world filled with distractions. Teach us how to to live in this place and walk out our lives, all the stuff we have to do, uh, but to be be able to still keep our eyes on you. I pray as we get into this series, I pray that you would, uh, I just pray a blessing on this series that what John sat down to do, his purpose in writing it would be, would be true for each one of us. And our, our belief would be encouraged. Lord, our, our view of you would just be, would grow massively. Lord, we thank you for this time. I thank you for each person here, each family represented. In Jesus' name, amen.